0: looking for tomorrow to come in and be the best that I can be in training and to train as hard as I possibly can and then I'll move on to the next day and that's how I've looked at my career
1: Subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow With the new Gillette Labs Razor With Exfoliating Bar This is the final episode of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings you know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAS Performance Rankings with Gillette.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances which just lacked that intensity. Boom. I, look, I picked a really bad time to call it quits because this Aston Villa narrative over the course of the season, this would have been a very entertaining thing to be kind of have a front row seat to... Aston Villa TV which OTB can, can often be between yourselves and Mick over the next few months and I just hope that Steven Gerrard hangs on for the sake of the OTB AM viewer because I suspect that things will be quite interesting around here. Um, what do you want to say about Steven Gerrard, who is in at number five, he, the, the reddest of the red this week? He he
1: appears to be out of his depth, right? It, it doesn't look like there's a plan in place to wrestle back control of the this, this situation. And it's now been long enough. It, it's sustained over the end of last season and the start of this season. You can't overreact. It's only the first game. You can't overreact. It's only the second game. You can't overreact. the Oh, Jesus. This isn't getting any better, is it? Mm. Uh, and so the... Uh, midweek fixture this week is Arsenal and the weekend fixture next week is Manchester City and then after that it's Brendan Rodgers if Brendan Rodgers is still in situ he might be he might not be he might have won two games in the meantime and Brendan Rodgers might be the one who like I should be the next Liverpool manager that everybody talks about <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, it doesn't end well for Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa I think we can all agree on that now that what, what, we're, what, what we're witnessing is some kind of managed exit Surely, they're, what do, do you want him out before the two tough fixtures? Well, it depends on who's coming in. Like the the list of next Aston Villa manager, um, Phil was making the point outside. What could happen is that uh, Brendan Rodgers gets fired before that Leicester game and then gets the Villa job, and so that's that's one. I mean, could they go back to the old firm and get the right guy this time? Probably not. Is aunt Postcogley going to? come and take
0: the, he probably isn't get Van like. Brankhorst, found Brankhorst at this stage mm, um, mm, probably not would Brendan Rodgers take the job do we think that like well, if you, he gets sacked from Leicester if he gets sacked but like are we not saying that Leicester's fault lies in a different place than Brendan Rodgers obviously the managers to take blame but they haven't signed anybody yeah so
1: I, I would definitely I would say there's uncertainty there in a way that there isn't a villa like the villa owners are putting money in and they're trying to sign players uh, it just feels a little bit it's haphazard the recruitment has not been hugely impressive in every step of the way there's, there's players who they've signed who basically have never played and they've a bloated squad at the moment and the players who Ajax are trying to re- replace Anthony with one of the Villa wingers who never plays for Villa and you're like maybe somebody at Ajax knows a bit more about football than somebody at, at Villa at the moment is there a possibility that been? so anyway
0: yeah well, like I mean, it, it, I'm not sure. Like, it's it's interesting that you say that. That Aston Villa are, are well resourced and they have a good structure that would be enticing to someone like Brendan Rodgers. It also means that the blame is squarely at the door of Steven Gerrard. Like, are we are we seeing new things that have developed even from week one and week two? Like, is the the fact that new bad things, new bad things, is what I mean? Like, I mean, the, it, or is, are the bad things that continue to be bad? Does that just make it all worse when like? For example, not having Wendy and Coutinho in the same team—I presume that's something that Villa fans are like uh, exceedingly frustrated about—and it's just getting worse the more that kind of goes on. I don't know if Villa fans want—I
1: don't know—I—I—I I, I, I didn't go on after um, the West Ham game to check exactly what the consensus was in the, the selection, but Buendia has been disappointing, yeah, you know, and Coutinho uh, good for about four games when he arrived. And then you know maybe if somebody else had wanted to sign him with that massive wages, but that cut down price, that would have been okay too. They could have moved on. It was like okay, you know we've we've established that very good players can come here, but his form has not been great, and he'd need to really get good in the next couple of weeks if something is going to happen because it it doesn't look like he deserves his place in the team. And he's getting subbed off for Buendia. um John McGinn's form just falling off a cliff, but always in the team really um, and it just appears as if uh, after matches Stephen Jarrett comes out and complains about the players lacking imagination or the the, the um, team lacking creativity and it's like well have you any influence over that? Is this like a is this an artwork in a gallery you're watching or is this a, a team who's playing to your template and your selection? Now obviously he had a right hand man who left in the winter and the summer and they've got some new in and maybe that is taking time to bed in and who knows maybe maybe it's the second coming of pep on his coaching staff i don't you know you'd be surprised if that was the case but um so i i don't know probably it looks like at this stage he's had enough opportunity over the course of his time at uh the end of last season and the start of this season and there's been no significant uptick in performance or no architecture that the team's built on and no sign that they're making any progress and so therefore you have to say how much more time does he get? He, he obviously he gets extra time because he's Steven Gerrard
0: right? If this was Dean Smith he'd be getting he'd be getting sacked. Um, like the, the events of the weekend make that opening day results look all the worse as well that's that's the other thing that's at play here is that Bournemouth team that, that beat Aston Villa is looking terrible and they're absolutely creamed obviously uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. Like Talk sport,
1: right, who, like, not particularly uh, inflammatory when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, Gary Neville's win rate, which, you know, was, was doing in the rounds three or four weeks ago. Uh, Gary Neville's win rate at Valencia, 35.7%. Steven Gerrard's win rate at Villa, 35.4%. Gerrard's now had more games than Neville. Uh, he's never won consecutive home Premier League games at Villa. Villa have won three of the last 15 games in the league. They've lost to Palace, West Ham and Bournemouth. And yeah. that's, the only t- that's the only game that Palace... West Ham, and Bournemouth have won this season so far. It's already I think that's Collins relegation form already good. For him. good. It, it is relegation form. It's literally I think
0: sixteenth um, uh, since since he arrived. They're sixteenth in points gained. Okay, so Stephen um, Gerard stays. You're going to be a relegation candidate. It's pretty clear what's going to happen unless he manages to turn it around. Which, as you pointed out, there is unlikely. Yeah, those fixtures are not forgiving for a manager in danger. Um, he's also on the verge of becoming,
1: if, if he loses the next two games, which, you know, you'd have to say the Villa will be favourites to be beaten by both Arsenal and, and City. If he loses those two games, he'll literally be the worst as Villa manager in history. Oh, no way. According to the stats, there was one that was doing the rounds the
0: weekend as well. well what would what be here? like, we don't want to get ahead of it too much. It does look like it's going to be very tricky for him to turn this around. And given the stakes, chances are he is going to be booted out the door. What, what does, where do we go from here? Uh, where do we go from here with regards to Stephen Gerrard? Like in in terms of his career. Have you have you seen anything like as a villa fan over the last year where you like he, this could maybe work at a a bigger club or it
1: never it never really struck you like Stephen Jarrett was going to be the best of, of managers, did it? Like it, it always felt like um his style of play was to be the hero and to take everything on his own shoulders. And being a manager now involves making sure that the strength and conditioning coach is like world-class and that they have a plan for every single one of the senior squad and the under-23s and the under-19s so that if at any point during the season you need them, they're going to be available to you. And you need to understand the depth of, of work that they're doing, uh, not just today, but to like plan six months and 12 months and two years down the line. And then you also need the same with the medical staff, and that's like three or four people. And then you need to make sure that like the agents aren't completely ruining the lives of your young footballers and then you also need to manage the board and then you need to have a relationship with the fans and then you need to have a relationship with each of the individual players at those three teams like you can't you can't be a hero in that scenario every day you can't walk in and go let's go you know give me the ball which is what he did when he was playing and that seems to have been the hallmark of him. Like he was always a he was always a worrier as well as a footballer. it always looked like he was stressed, you know. Like except when he was scoring, and even then when he was scoring, a lot of the time it was like, yes, I've done that thing that you said I couldn't do. That there was an element of that, and that's just not perfect for being a manager of
0: um, you know 150, 200 people who influence the outcome of the game at the weekend. Mm. Being a manager is hard. It turns out, really, really hard job. And actually, trying to translate the the playing skills to to that probably isn't isn't ideal. Like I'm not. I think he is unfortunate in that he is such an icon on the pitch that it was always going to be uh, a very harsh criticism that was going to come his way. Um, but those are the stakes of the Premier League, I guess. It's, maybe he should have stayed at Rangers. I don't know. Maybe maybe stay at Rangers. Wait, Rangers had to tell you League. it was going starting to show signs of cracking at the end. Maybe cracking is a bit strong, but certainly things have plateaued a little bit. I think that's yeah. been their take on him. Uh, and then maybe it's a Championship club, like mm.
1: you know. Frank Lampard has got another couple of opportunities, which is surprising. So I guess Stephen Jarrett will get some more opportunities if this doesn't work out or if he fails to arrest the the slide that he's in at the moment. Uh, Alan Neal says, pleasant surprise. I thought Owen was gone from Friday. Uh, Brian Dillon says, so while Owen is off on the adventure of a lifetime, we'll all still be here listening to the downfall of mediocre managers who manage a perpetually (laughs) mid-table team. Where did it all go wrong? I'll uh, I'll be listening to that. 7.44am this morning here OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finisher day it's uh, the last uh, for now from Owen because we'll be doing this next week with somebody else just to to let you in the secret (laughs) there show must go
0: on baby I'm going to be so jealous Um, the All Blacks Next up in the red this morning. So uh, the rugby championship is clearly drunk at the moment. Argentina beating New Zealand, uh, Australia beating South Africa at the weekend, which is kind of a result that's gone under the radar because obviously New Zealand is the story and it's been the big show for the last month or so. They're in this sort of Manchester United-esque boom-bust cycle where after every big win, we think they're going to win it all and after every big defeat, we think that the manager's head is going to roll and Ian Foster... Is he back on the chopping block now after the weekend, or do we just need time for the Joe Schmidt plan to actually work and to, to permeate the minds of the people, or is actually Joe Schmidt, Schmidt just going to become head coach of the All Blacks? Like, obviously, it, it seems that if now, like, I mean, New Zealand Rugby have come out and they've backed Foster, and it, 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 it would be a surprise if, if anything were to happen soon. But if he wasn't to be All Black's coach in a month's time or whatever, it does seem it's going to be a straight shootout between Joe Schmidt and and Scott Robertson potentially for that job. And after the game on Saturday, Michael Checa was talking about his, uh, his flanker, Pablo Matera, who played a full season for the Crusaders this year, and he says, I think the Crusaders have made, this is Cheka, I think the Crusaders have made a really huge mark, and Scott Robertson has made a really huge mark on Pablo, just the quality of the franchise and the coaching here. He comes back a heap better uh, mentally and technically. So, Michael Checker, I'm not sure was that deliberate or not, you know, talking <laughs> up Scott Robertson in the aftermath of beating uh, the All Blacks. And he also had like a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, 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 a pop back at Ian Foster, where Foster was complaining about the refereeing, and um, he kind of like a, accused him of sour grapes as well. So uh, the beef may be a little bit real between Michael Cheka and Ian Foster. He, he certainly thinks that Scott Robertson would be a good coach.
1: I do uh, like Cheka. He's kind of always aware of everything he's saying, and um, very compelling character. And now is turning the pumas into something really interesting, like himself and pomy, you know. I don't want to see them on the opposite sideline especially don't want to see them on the opposite sideline during a World Cup
0: yeah yeah like that's that's the thing about at next year's World Cup exit for Ireland is that it'll at least come against a good team it's not going to be like this Argentinian team that are on the upward trajectory and are probably going to take out a big fish. There's just something more painful about losing to, to Argentina. But, like, I mean, in a way, they've kind of ruined our year anyway, because, like, this was supposed to be Ireland's moment. Yeah, and down, down that everybody can do it. This is, this was supposed to be the, the our, our great um, national arrival for, for, for 2022. And, yeah, everybody's just doing it. Like, it's, it's, it is remarkable. So, some of um, the had like, Argentina failed to get it within 15 points. And um, something like that, maybe 12 to 15 points in New Zealand at any point in their history. Uh, never mind actually beating them on New Zealand turf. And then they managed to, to go and actually beat them on the day. So, yeah, it's, it, it was a remarkable result for them on Saturday. Yeah.
1: OK, so um, we will talk more about this over the course of the week as well. And we'll get Alan Quillen's thoughts on it a little bit later on. I don't know. Can you sack Foster a week after? You're like, oh, he's our guy now because we've had that win in South Africa and that's all we needed. And we've got Joe Schmidt in the team. So everything's sorted. Can you then come out a week later and go well, we didn't know Argentina were about to beat us. Mm. I mean, you didn't tell us that, lads. Yeah. Is that the bit where you go, okay,
0: you're fired? It's well, like, too late, is it? I think uh, it, it would be, it, there will be egg on their face if they did a U-turn now. Like, I think maybe the whole Erasmus is playing chess thing is probably starting to come true a little bit. Um, that's, you know, like, clearly the South Africa team has not played as well as they possibly could over the last two weeks or the last two rounds. So um, I think maybe South Africa have kept fostering a job and potentially have a uh, Opened up the pathway for them to be beaten at next year's World Cup. Uh,
1: Overall, I felt they got away with some stuff at the breakdown, not releasing the ball carrier on the ground. We weren't able to deal with it, said Foster. It was an area we got hammered in the penalty count at critical times. I'm a little bit bemused by that. Cheke, well, he'd be an expert on it because his team do it all the time. So,
0: he should know. I do love that. Right, (laughs) what's in the amber? Uh, we are going with GEA managers in the Amber, and there's been a couple of interesting stories over the last few days. You've got uh, Eamon Murray, who's uh, stepped down as Mead's uh, women's manager, which was uh, a bit of a bombshell, I thought, yesterday anyway, when uh, that statement came out. So uh, he leaves after winning back-to-back All-Irelands uh, with, um, with Mead, and uh, big news there. Then obviously on the, the men's side of things, it looks like Gerard Brennan is going to be uh, in position to take the Monaghan job. Re- reports um, that he's, he's been now linked to the job after a couple of people pulled out of the race to become the new Monaghan manager. And the other, I guess, bombshell, uh, at least when it comes to reports over the last 24 hours or so, is the news that Connor McKenna is going back to the AFL or so it's been reported. That is not something that uh, I expected to, to see happen.
1: It said that he's told the WhatsApp group um, that he's heading back to the AFL. This is like... This would have a significant impact on their position in the power rankings, right?
0: It would, because you're looking at them to rekindle the greatness of 2021, and he was such an essential part of it. Like, I mean, he had a poor season this year, I, I suppose, and like, I, it's hard to kind of say that too many of the Toronto players didn't have a poor season, so it's kind of hard to, to pick him out. But um, like, it's, I wonder, is the, are these two things linked, him, him having not a great season, Tyrone not having a great season and also the decision to, to go back down under. Like, Was the year that bad for Tyrone that it's actually forced Conor McKenna to be like, screw this, I'm actually done. Or was actually his, was his coming home always going to be a short-term thing? Was it kind of a COVID-related decision and now kind of life is back to normal and and he has his All-Ireland medal, crucially? Is he just like, I want to go earn money and live in a great country again?
1: I mean, it, it's you can see it's the, the Ty Canelli blueprint, isn't it? Come home, go back,
0: It never felt like that was his plan, though.
1: It didn't. It it definitely didn't. It felt like he was here for the long haul. But then, if somebody rings you up and says, here, listen, we have a contract for you, it's hard to turn that down, right?
0: Yeah. Like, I guess... The, the, he had experienced all that before. He he knows what it's like. He knows what the the pitfalls of it all, and he he had obviously weighed it up before that he was going to leave that behind. But things change, and like as I say, getting that All Ireland medal like that could be the, the the satisfying element of it all. That he's he's his job here is done, and maybe if he hadn't that All Ireland medal, maybe he'd he'd be hanging around to try and get them over the line but it does of course, like, of course it impacts on like where, where you're looking at next year with regards to, to All-Ireland contenders because even if he wasn't a starter in the team next year he'd be a hell of a player to bring on Like, he was absolutely sensational throughout 2021 and the ease with which he managed to slot back into Gaelic Games was actually pretty stark and, and
1: they used him really intelligently they, yeah. they got the most out of him in games at different times and the, you know, they, they did manage that squad perfectly when they won the All-Ireland so very interesting to see what kind of a setback this is for Tyrone when it gets confirmed And if it gets confirmed, um, Jarred Brennan's reputation is obviously soaring. He's he's been involved with Moorfield and uh, with one of the um, counties. What did I get this wrong? Was it Wicklow or Longford? Carlo was it? Carlo, yeah, yeah. Um, So a bit left field, but that'll be interesting. You know, the the young managers who are still like basically playing the game up till eighteen months ago. I think um, that there's definitely a trend for those having an impact. Early doors on counties. I I don't think Monaghan are done just yet. I know, talking to some Monaghan people recently, they were um, a bit down on the talent coming through and the age profile of some of those players is creeping up, um, and they're getting old as a group as opposed to an influx of new talent. But you know, one last hurrah get the band back together. Why not? Well, that's it.
0: It's a one last hurrah mood, which kind of feels like the theme of the GEA off season. Like. Obviously, with no you know intercounty action over the last month, things have kind of been amplified a little bit more. But you look at that Monaghan situation, and you look at their generational talents and Conor McManus. That that is probably the the, the main thing for the new manager to get right. How do we get the most out of his last few years in a Monaghan shirt? You could say this very same thing will be asked of the Donegal manager when they come in. How are you going to get the very most out of Michael Murphy's twilight years? And to be honest, it feels the same with Mayo and Kevin McStay. It's like Killian O'Connor and that cohort of older players in the Mayo squad. They've got a couple of years left in it, but how do you make the most of them and play them in conjunction with the new talent that's coming through? So I think that's kind of fed into... The noise over the last month, this idea that, you know, the, the, these managerial importance are really, uh, appointments are really, really important. And uh, I think a lot of counties are kind of looking, looking at last to our territory. And maybe even Desi Farrell is thinking that as well when, when he looks around uh, the dressing room and sees someone like James McCarthy. How do we squeeze the life out of this one last time? Like 2023 is shaping up to be a very interesting year. Yeah. You're going to miss the whole thing, Owen. Yeah. <laughs> Could be back for it. Who knows? This is the longest offseason of all time. Uh, Inter-county off-season.
1: It, yeah, it's it's very long. So so what the implication there would be that you'd be back in like three or three or four weeks, is it? Does it if I mean that's going to be very difficult for you to just will will you just say nothing? You just, just appear one day. How are you lads? Yeah, yeah. Good weekend last weekend. Yeah. yeah. Here's here's my um, here's my performance rankings. Oh, and we dropped that slot when you were away. <laughs> no one had the the pizzazz to carry
0: it off the way you do. Yeah, Monday morning pizzazz. People will miss that's that. That's that's what people will associate with you for sure. Definitely, the, the, the energy we bring to proceedings.
1: So, what what, what is the over under on how long you're gonna, how far you're gonna make and how long you're gonna be away? Over under, I'd say
0: six, seven months. Right? The, no, eight, maybe nine. Big but, difference. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is there full? Start, is the the answer uh, like I, I, people expect like very interesting answers uh, when they're asking me about my plans and all that? i actually don't really have many plans uh, in terms of like specific things or or time slots or anything like that. I'm um, just going to sleep for a couple of days and then think about it. In in America? Yeah. In expensive
1: hotel rooms? Yes, exactly. There you go. Good. Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and what's your expectation like? Because you're going to do a bit of busing around, are you? Yeah, yeah,
0: uh, 100%. Like, I've been warned about this. That, uh, what have you been warned? That's interesting. Uh, well, it's just hard Because like, I'm just doing a couple of days in the States before going further south. People just say, don't get the Greyhound bus. And the like, Greyhound well, murderers. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's exactly how I'm planning to, to get around the country. I have been on one before. And it was a lovely experience. I don't know what people talk about. This will be <laughs> this clip will be played, like, on the 9 o'clock news <laughs> as <laughs> shocking news emerges from uh, across the Atlantic. You see, by saying that you you
1: you that's a, you're warding off the possibility of it by tempting. That's it's a, a wise decision
0: to talk about these things openly. Cause the, the man who thought he was uh, smarter than the Greyhound bus, um, the serial killer, yeah. But let me. I you know, hope it'll be like a, a famous
1: serial killer at least, not one of those ones that we never hear about.
0: Yeah, like I w- I want to be part of like a true crime documentary at some point. <laughs> then they'll play this clip. Yeah, seven fifty-five this morning. We're moving degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you should be in the green this morning, Ger. I mean, you are uh, a triathlete now. You just didn't do, you didn't just do this at Triathlon during the summer. You are now a triathlete and you kept this very quiet. What's going on? Well, you spoiled my
1: bit, Owen. You spoiled my bit. I was going to come back from ads wearing my medal.
0: Oh, shit. Well, if you just told me. Well,
1: how, how can I tell you that then it's not a bit? You're like, oh, it could, that bit where I was like, oh, anyway.
0: Let's just forget that happened.
1: We can't. We can't. Oh, do you have your medal there? It's out there, yeah. That was my bit. Oh, nice. It is nice. Put that on. There you go, there you go. But now yeah. I just look like dickhead
0: now thanks. thanks hey finally the comic time finally um, tell us about yesterday what, was it a car triathlon uh, yeah well you're you're, you're swimming in
1: the Liffey which is um, oh. actually not as bad an experience as you might think but occasionally you put your hand in slimy and it kind of follows you along oh. and you're like what? what is that maybe I won't look down and the the, the plants are weird they're kind of like um, they're kind of billow uh, and they, they glisten and then occasionally there's rubbish there like floating tinfoil and you're like what, what, what is that how do I, I stay away from that and also it's very long at one point I did have to roll over and like do the backstroke oh really oh yeah because uh, it's 750 meter swim which I'd never done before but obviously that's 750 meters if you can swim straight okay
0: I see because and you're like you're getting pushed from side to side well you're just like meandering like a drunk you know uh, I, I don't want to like um, destroy your beautiful image that you painted of the Liffey here, but <laughs> I was I was in town yesterday. And I was crossing uh, the Liffey and I saw like there was like a bit of a commotion around by me. There was like three people like pointing into the into the river, and I just. Took a little glance over, and I don't know what they were pointing at, but I just saw a little creature moving and swimming along in the the, the river. I don't know what it was. I was going to have a second look, and I was like, is that are, are, are the people of the tourists in Dublin? Are they going to go home and be like, yeah, we saw a rat swimming through the, the river, right through the middle of the city'? Make them but, feel
1: at home." It was just for the Americans. It was like, yeah. Oh, it was an otter. Of course, it was. Like the water is so clean that the otters have decided to move in,
0: and, and they get the best fish. Yeah. <laughs> That was it, that was it. So, oh, God. Yeah, you got an extra medal for swimming in the Liffey. That's, uh, that's good. Um, and you managed to finish it, no problem?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say no problem, Owen. I would okay. say that um, I'm absolutely in bits right now. But I did finish it, uh, which at various stages, because you, you had your drinks on Thursday night, which was not ideal preparation. And then a friend of mine had a gathering on Saturday afternoon, which I attended and probably shouldn't have, but I did. And um, so I would say not, not doing a triathlon with a hangover is um, definitely to be preferred. Uh, but also I had to... Um, fix a puncture at 7am on Sunday morning I was in no fit state to be doing that so uh, but yeah it's a, there's, I, uh, every time we do these I rave about the community spirit and it is amazing there are people literally of all age groups like they do the elite before you so you get to see these kind of um, super fit humans some of whom have been at the Commonwealth Games right? and some of whom I think might end up going on to represent Ireland in, uh, at the Olympics or certainly will be capable of doing it so you're seeing them and then you're doing the same track as them Obviously, they're doing it in like an hour, and you're an hour and a half, two hours, <laughs> closer to two, two hours six minutes. And uh, it's just it's it's like. And then there's this kind of party afterwards where everybody relaxes and goes, "Yeah, we did this thing." And then they give you these cool little medals. So I would say, yeah, in the green is the the organizers of the Dublin City Triathlon, the Piranha Tri Club. If Batich beat me. She started just in front of me and then crushed me on the run. Right. So, um, I don't know if that were maybe.
0: Maybe she should be beating me by much more. Yeah. Well, c- congratulations to you both. Fair Thank play. you very much. You're putting you. the, the rest the, of uh, Team OTB to shame, as usual.
1: And the other 1,000 people didn't do it. You, you just decided you were, you know, when we were trying to tempt you into this life, you were like, no. Nah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, that was it. I was just like, no. Nope. Not for me. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, it was nice. I, I appreciated uh, all the, the invitations. Who's actually in the green? In the green this week is Roy McIlroy. Uh, he obviously uh, fresh off a, a triumph last night. It feels like every Roy McIlroy win, um, even if it's like the FedEx Cup or not, just kind of feels like a, a sort of moment for golf in terms of you know trying to, to see if the good guy wins or not and he kind of alluded to that afterwards as well. He's um, kind of talked about how tough it's been over the last little while as a as a PGA Tour golfer and the, the, the battle with live to try and keep hold of their golfers. So The win itself was absolutely extraordinary. Like He overturned a six-shot lead yesterday for anybody who wasn't watching this. He shot a 66 on the final round. Scotty Scheffler was in a commanding position, six strokes ahead, going into the final day. He shoots a 73 yesterday, so I guess it's a little bit as as, as much about Scheffler slipping a little bit on the final day as it is about uh, Rory being brilliant, but he was brilliant yesterday, and uh, he's earned his $18 million, which I guess kind of makes up for... Not winning at St Andrews a little bit, like he did, kind of say that it still gets to him. It's it, it's like one of the really difficult things that he's had to, to deal with this season. His mini collapse on the, the final day of the Open, but um, he's now on three FedEx Cup victories. Nobody else has got to that number. Tiger Woods has got two, and Tiger is the only other person to have won the FedEx Cup more than once. So it is remarkable uh, this this from Rory. It's it's interesting though that he did say afterwards that he didn't think that he was going to win. Um, On the final day, like when he woke up on Sunday morning, he was in a pressure-free zone and that obviously probably contributed to him uh, playing his best golf.
1: It's really interesting, isn't it? That that, that is what has happened here. So, I don't know if everybody knows, but he had a triple bogey on his first and a bogey on his second hole on when they started on Thursday, which essentially made it a 10-stroke deficit uh, that he had to overcome. Um, It's interesting that he needs to be on a charge, that he needs not to be... Uh, shouldering the burden of expectation on the final round, and when he does this it 's like really compelling, amazing so is
0: there is that that has to be the way he's going to win
1: a major is it another major his next major
0: yeah, but like we 've had this conversation so much, how does Rory win his major is it like least leads from the front kills the field, or is it kind of out of nowhere? He kind of comes from behind, and then the person who's in the lead or who's in the clubhouse lead on the Sunday actually, like maybe I don't know, collapses or something like that. So it's it seems that we've kind of speculated about how Rory is actually going to win this next major, but. Like, I think if you look at his major record this year in terms of his scoring, his scoring has been absolutely exceptional at, at the majors this year. Like, the, the, the lowest score of, of any player who's made the cut at all four majors, if you combine his scores. So, he's playing, he's played unbelievable golf this season. Like, I presume it'll go down as one of his best ever seasons in terms of just the quality of golf he's been playing but it's unfortunately going to be another season where he doesn't have a major so this thing will be a millstone around his neck going into next year and he's well, going to be one of the most talked about golfers going to Augusta
1: He's going to be one of the most talked about athletes on the planet though really because of what's happening with live golf. Yeah. so today we expect that um, the latest big name recruits will be named and uh, there are some big names who are in that we expect Cameron Smith to um, come out Joachim Neiman mm. um, is the other big name that has kind of been confirmed going and so that's two top 20 players in the world and that's the first time we've had young players who have the best years in front of them and who are like, you know names that we would expect down the, down the road to be competing for the majors and the, you know that's the, that's the bloody nose for the PGA but like it's McElroy who's been organising all this it's been McElroy who's been uh, rallying the troops alongside Tiger Woods and like you know Tiger obviously needed somebody of, of McElroy's energy and charisma alongside him to be able to bring people with him. Yeah. So while he's been doing that, he's just beaten all the golfers in the world to the prize they value the most, money. Like he he beat them off to win the most money for the year. They were all trying as hard as they possibly could. It's the most elite field possible. It's down to 30. He comes from behind in that and smashes them to win the money. And we we know that the golfers like the money. So they were all highly motivated this weekend, and he beat them, while at the same time saving golf. That's not bad. It's, yeah, could, I, maybe, could maybe Rory get some love in Ireland now? Well, <laughs> oh, I missed the Irish Open that one time. What? He just saved golf.
0: Um, well, the one thing, like just to you know not to be negative about this, but Tiger and Rory, you would have to say their message isn't working. Like they on some level are failing when it comes to trying to persuade the other golfers to stay on the ship. Like with the the Neiman news is is more significant than than I initially thought. Obviously he's a phenomenal golfer, but like Neiman would have been part of the players meeting last week in a room sitting in a room with Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods is telling you Please stay for for golf. I'm not sure what Tiger said, but I, th- I would have thought that if you at least get people in a room, and you're Tiger Woods, you've got a very good chance of keeping them. And maybe even may slipped through the net. I think I think his departure is significant.
1: I'd say he'd already made his mind up, though. I think you know the contract offer must have been in. in he said place. he hadn't.
0: Like he was well, on Golf Channel on Friday, saying I haven't made my decision yet.
1: Do you know, a lot of a lot of them. Like was it was it Brooks who was like, oh, I I don't know. I, I haven't thought about this. And then you know Monday was like. Hey, uh, you got me uh, a nine a nine figure offer for Joachim and is
0: is what we're talking about bonkers.
1: So, you know so it's possible that um maybe he hadn't made his mind up fully, but certainly the uh the jury was like dropping the the verdict over to the judge, and like the judge is having a little sneaky look on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine figures. I have to think about this one you know. That's what happens. Yes.
0: Neiman's looking at McElroy's 18 mil yesterday and being like, that's cute. Well done, Rory. I got it last week. Yeah. Yeah, th- this, is, um, this is only going one way, really. And uh, like, like there was other reports over the course of the weekend as well. You've got like, Mark Leishman, uh, Tringale and Harold Varner moving as well. Uh, Tringale, I think, has actually confirmed that, that he's moving. So uh, Cameron Smith um, and Neiman, the two, the two big fish that they're about to catch this week. We fixed it for you so you could have Arsenal as the the last yeah. green in your last ever Gillette Lads performance rankings. Yeah, like I mean Celtic and Liverpool fans hoping like what the hell is going on that Arsenal managed to pick them to the post. To be fair it was Cullum's idea, he just wanted Arsenal to, to be in the green and you know what they deserve to be in some shade of green, may not be as green as Liverpool or, or Celtic or teams that managed to score nine goals in a single game but at some point at around 7pm on Saturday afternoon it looked like Arsenal were going to start Arsenaling again. You know, the late news that Thomas Partey and Alexander Zinchenko had been injured in a training session felt quite arsenal beforehand. The fact that they were on the crest of a wave and then concede and go behind to Fulham felt quite arsenal. And then all of a sudden... You know, Arsenal came from behind and Gabriel making up for an error. Martin Odegaard showing the the grit and the reason why he was given the captaincy. All of that stuff felt very on arsenal And it feels, if you want to get ahead of ourselves, like a club that's been somewhat transformed. Like even watching on television, the Emirates looks like Highbury at its peak. And I often wonder if the Emirates just get a bad rap for years just because the Arsenal team that was playing there wasn't very good and I think Arcella kind of made uh, 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 like he alluded to this afterwards where he said that somebody told him that it's, it's the best mood he's felt uh, at a club since the Highbury era or that the Emirates felt like Highbury on, on Saturday and that's just because the football team is winning and they've got uh, a team that they can get behind and they've come from behind to, to win a game and I think that every stadium Uh, is rocking when their team is playing well so their form is excellent they play Manchester United next Sunday obviously after Aston Villa so that's going to be the first significant challenge you'd have thought of this Arsenal team this season it is way too early to assume that anything special will happen this season and the objective is very much the same as it was at the start of the season which is to to get top four but uh, they're looking there's just an element of grit about how they had to win on Saturday night but as Richard Keyes said, uh, it's Fulham. Stop celebrating. Stop celebrating, Arsenal fans. Did he, Fulham. Did he? Oh, yeah. Oh, well. I'll Fulham, be in sports, yeah. Fulham are pretty good, right? Fulham, yeah.
1: Fulham are going to be tricky this season for a lot of teams. They've got a lot of things that you would want to be a team who finishes
0: 12th or 8th. And uh, they're going to take points from better teams than them. And they already have when it comes to Liverpool, for example. So uh, they've, they've definitely proven that they're going to be a, 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 a kind of like a pebble in the shoe of a lot of teams this season. But yeah, no. The play the, the, the takeaway is just kind of that that post match atmosphere at the Emirates. And sure, you can. The, your angle on it can be, you know, they've just won a, a, a league game. That should not be the atmosphere post game. But my angle on it is, look at this place compared to the library atmosphere that would have existed five, six years ago in that place.
1: The other thing is, it feels sustainable that there's like there has been a plan. They have recruited according to the plan. The players who are coming in know that they have certain expectations to meet. They got rid of all of the rotten parts of the changing room and there's a clear structure and a clear boss and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Like, I don't know how good he's going to end up being. I don't know how... Maybe the documentary changes things and changes people's perceptions, but um, the collection of young talent they have can continue to get better. This might not be their peak
0: and they can continue to add players and it looks like they've backed him with massive amounts of money. Yeah, and if they manage to add another piece of the jigsaw before this window is done obviously we're only a couple of days away then you think that it could be a, quite a special season like if they manage to, to get Yuri Tielemans for example you, like it's just that area of the pitch where Arsenal maybe need a, another body or two and if they can just bolt to that midfield just that little bit more uh, they can definitely have a, like a real crack at the Europa League and, and at the same time properly challenge and get, get third or fourth spot in the league but I think it's I think Arteta was asked about a possible title challenge on Saturday and like rightfully he was like it's, it's way too soon to say they've, they've paid no one yet to, to use that phrase yeah alright was there an honourable green we had something in the green until Rory McIlroy overnight yeah yeah I mean the Aviva Stadium was in the green for giving away free pints like I, I wasn't there myself so I had a massive FOMO this is Adrian Barry's video Adrian Barry was uh, told that there was a rugby game on for Leinster and he and there was free was cheese there was free cheese and uh, tell us what this is though and explain what this but is that's, uh, there, were, there was other videos doing the rounds as well of what is known as a snake a cup snake snake cup, a cup snake, where uh, you take your reusable cup and you pop it into another reusable cup and on it goes until it forms a snake. And it had actually reached one point in the Aviva where uh, the snake had managed to go between two tiers of the stadium and there was a massive cheer when the cup from the upper tier managed to go into the cup from the below tier. So, this is a, a high watermark of uh, of sporting action. Like I got a push notification off the ESPN app on my phone on Saturday and it was like pints galore in Dublin, free bar and all that and like this is the this is the perfect international marketing for the city of Dublin. I mean, th- this is just such a big win for for everybody involved.
1: That's the thing. You can imagine that there is somebody somewhere with their head in their hands
0: going, "Oh my god, this is a disaster." And then afterwards everybody's like Uh, well we're definitely coming back next year yeah the publicity was was not a bad thing the game was pretty extraordinary like uh, when I was out and about on Saturday evening (laughs) got chatting to a few Nebraska fans who were absolutely fuming with how things went for them Uh, when they were up what was the it was 28-17 midway through the third quarter on Saturday night and uh, their coach uh, Scott Frost uh, uh, called for an onside kick despite the fact that they were leading uh, by 11 points it went Badly wrong. Um, Northwestern easily recovered the kick at the Nebraska 44 line and scored five plays later and they turned it over to beat them 31-28. So there's a lot of people who came here. And after week zero, it's kind of like Aston Villa at the moment. They're already like, head coach, he's got to go. They're not happy with how that thing turned out at all. Yeah, and People blaming, I uh, saw one tweet. It was like, uh, well, you know, the uh, Northwestern head coach uh, is Pat Fitzgerald and he's Irish, and uh, the Irish officials were always going to, to work in his favour. So there's uh, perfect levels of, uh, of sour grapes out there. It was uh,
1: an absolutely massive success, I think, all told. Uh, next year's Notre Dame Navy, and then we'll see what, what happens after that. But it's going to be firmly established. And here's the thing there's not much other sport on uh, big time filling stadiums that everybody's going to be able to go to. In uh, August next year, so they have they have the pitch emptied for whatever reason. Uh, right, that's this week's Gillette Labs performance rankings. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette.